Welcome to Friday's episode of Locked On Marlins, guys. The WBC rosters have been announced. The Marlins have seven guys making it. Five, what I would describe as first-team regulars. <laughs> We're going to dig into those names and what it means for the other names that are vying for spots in spring. Plus, we continue in our spring training battles and take a look at third base. All on today's Locked On Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins, ah, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. I'm your host, Peter Pratt, and this is Friday's episode, uh, 10th of February. Uh, follow me on Twitter. If you're a socials guy, hit me up on Twitter at Miami Marlins underscore UK. If you are listening to the pod version, hit subscribe there too. Leave a review. Always appreciated. And yes, there is a YouTube channel. And yes, I have cranked up the dial in terms of the, uh, the the quality of the video. So I'm looking forward to some feedback. It's fair to say the last couple of days I turned it down um, trying to enhance the audio. It's a fine balance, right? Audio, visual. Really, for a podcast, fundamentally, I want I want the, the, the audio to be spot on. Um, but it's fair to say, and the feedback was Bob on yesterday, that yeah, the video and the YouTube streams recently have not been optimal, so I've cranked it back up. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Let's see what happens in this setup here in the UK. Um, guys, uh, there, there continues to be tons of news. First off, if you didn't know, if you hadn't seen it, FanFest, Marlins FanFest is tomorrow. There's been no promo about this one, jokes, um, but it's uh, it, it, it promises to be a very fun event. Uh, pretty much everyone down there that's on the roster will be available. Looks like there's even like batting cage stuff going on. Tons of stuff. There's board games with the players. I think playing maybe Cluedo with Sandy and whatever it might be. Sounds like the Marlins are going all out with FanFest this year. Looking for engagement. Looking for big engagement. We got Jeff Conine's announcement. What is it going to be? Uh, I'm going off topic already here. Uh, but the one thing... Uh, that we that I mentioned on Twitter a couple of days back is the Marlins really just need to get back to this, you know, get back to their roots, get back to what they originally were, what the fan base originally connected with, and that is the Florida Marlins with Teal and fundamentally winning winning some championships. Since then, a couple of different ownership groups. Uh, it's fair to say the Loria ownership group, yes, they changed the name. They changed the ballpark. They changed the color scheme. Derek Jeter uh, came in with Bruce Sherman uh, and the rest of the guys. And it's fair to say they, they made some changes there. They went down a more, what I'll describe as conservative or corporate approach, it's fair to say. So gone were the zany colors. Gone was all of that. And in came very traditional, clean, clean looking stuff. And it's fine. But to be honest with you, it, it's, it went too far. It went too far. And it's, it's boring. Miami is all about flair. It's a flair city. It's a flair area. So many cultures, so much happening down there. It's a vibrant city. And I think the Marlins have, have kind of 
gone a little bit too far and they've they've lost out on some of that there. So I hope they go back, they reconnect, they find a way to reconnect with the teal color scheme. You know, something that brings back some of the old the old fans. And you know, can jerseys alone do that and color schemes? Probably not. But I think it's a start, and I think clearly bringing back Jeff Conine, bringing back some of the alum um, of the the Florida Marlins and the, and the successful teams and clubs, I think is only a good thing because you know it it's it's still in need of a reconnect back with the um, with the surrounding areas. Um, so I think it's right the Marlins look to do that. Um, so long winded way of saying Fan Fest is happening tomorrow. Looks like it's Marlins Media Day today as well. So Jeremy Taché looks to be interviewing like everyone, which is great. Um, there's other guys uh, there, the media, the usual media guys, I guess. Um, having some time with the guys too. So there's going to be tons of sound bites coming out as well, which is all good for Locked On Marlins because more sound bites, more content, more discussion, uh, which is always good for a man with a daily pod. Yes, sir. Um, so that's happening. We also then last night uh, had the WBC rosters announced. So we'll we'll go through the big names, the ones that are in, the ones that aren't perhaps, and also maybe some returning friends. Um, that will be coming to the Miami area to play at Lone Depot as part of uh, the actual uh, competition itself. So from a Marlins perspective, there there's three guys uh, that are playing for the Dominican. Firstly, Sandy Alcantara, the reigning Cy Young, uh, NL Cy Young anyway, hasn't got his hardware yet, but anyway, they'll, they'll fix that spelling error shortly. Uh, he, along with uh, Johnny Cueto, new acquisition, and as well, uh, Luis Reyes. All these guys are uh, going to be swinging it for the Dominican, which will be a lot of fun. Uh, you then have uh, Jesus Lozado um, that will be going for Venezuela. Uh, there's one other guy that I've now forgotten about, <laughs> which is Gene Segura. Actually, Gene Segura is playing for the Dominican. <laughs> Luis Arias. <laughs> Luis Arias going for Venezuela. Is that right? I'm going to have to go and have a look now. Completely botched this up. Um, anyway, yeah, Luis Arias is Venezuelan. Come on, P. Screw your head on on a Friday. So there you go. It's those five guys. The fun, the interesting bit, though, uh, now I've got the countries right, is that both of those two countries are in the same pool, and that pool is being played out of Miami. So that's going to be very intriguing to see them going head-to-head. Um, there's obviously some old friends, particularly Miguel Rojas, that's on the uh, the Venezuelan roster. So Miggy straight back in the Lone Depot, which is going to be great. Sure, there's going to be a lot of uh, Miggy fans uh, there for sure. Um, but for me, uh, clearly there's like two wrinkles I would say to this WBC piece, where you, uh, from a, a fan perspective and a Marlins fan perspective, clearly Sandy Alcantara, Jesus Lozado, Johnny Cueto all pitching um and don't know how many innings they'll 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 be getting and how you know how much body of work they'll be asked to to do um i've not actually really seen a wbc before so it's going to be the first time for me properly kind of understanding it and following it which is going to be a lot of fun um so i'm not ex- i'm not sure what the expectations are so we'll see but clearly there's a nervousness right there's a nervous energy around these guys um out there pitching very competitive innings you know, because the juices will be flowing and their competitive innings before they've really kind of built themselves up, right? Like it's it's going to feel different to spring where spring training, you come in and there's 5,000, 6,000 there. You know you're going to throw an inning or two and it's just casual work and you're not really bothered. You're just there 
just turning your arm over. You're just getting your body into the groove. I'm not sure that's exactly the mentality you would have stood on the mound with a packed, you know, 40,000 going on there, the Dominican versus Venezuela in the pool, um, you know, winner go winner win and you're in type of situation and ask these pitchers to kind of go easy. <laughs> I just can't see that happening personally. It doesn't seem to make a ton of sense. So for me, there's a nervous energy about it. The second piece, this is where it also links to Marlin's camp and spring, is that Luis Arias um, and Gene Segura, we're going to talk about Gene as well because I'm talking about third base uh, in, in, in a second, uh, but those guys, both big parts of the Marlins infield, they won't be with the camp for the majority of spring. Um, the same with the starters too, but those starters, we kind of know what we, you know where we're at with those guys, and it'll maybe give some more opportunity and more innings to um, some of the other guys, particularly like a, a, an Uri Perez, for example. Um, but not having Gene around, um, which I think is interesting, and Luis Arias, both of which new acquisitions, not being around the team in spring, again, is, is interesting timing, but it does open up opportunities for other guys to get more reps because, well, they're not there. And so we expect the Dominican and potentially Venezuela to go deep into the tournament, you know, at least likely get through the, the pool um, stage, um, of which then they'll start to get into some games, you know, potentially against the U.S. Um, and, and, you know, Mexico or Colombia, for example. So there's a decent chance that, you know, they're, they're getting to quarterfinals, semifinals, these teams. And it's going to be deep into the tournament. The deeper you go, the less spring training games that you'll be um, you'll be playing. So for me, the guys that are in, nervously excited for them. Uh, the Dominican lineup and that Dominican roster looks absolutely stacked. So I'll be cheering those guys on uh, for certain. I have to talk about Team GB. Uh, no, no Marlins on the roster. We thought there was a chance at one point of two. Marlins making the roster. In the end, not, neither of them do. Jazz Chisholm, as we was already reported by Craig a few weeks back, um, not being allowed to participate by the Marlins due to his um, due to his health issues, uh, an injury record in 2022, and the need for him to um, familiarize himself at center field. We also did think, though, that Ian Lewis um, might be uh, making this roster. Ian Lewis not on the roster. I haven't seen any further information as to why uh, he wasn't on the roster. Um, but nevertheless, it's, you know, I guess it's GB's loss. Um, there's still some fun names on there. I definitely say, um, you know, the, the Mariners top prospect, the catching prospect, uh, Harrison Ford, Harry Ford, uh, for certain, one of the key names to, to look out for Vance Worley, I believe in, in the rotation there as well for team GB, it's going to be a real uphill task. I did see the odds put out there in team GB, uh, the longest of long shots for the WBC rightly so with no jazz, um, and really limited amounts of hope. But they're going to be there, and they're going to enjoy the experience. And as a British baseball fan, I will enjoy the experience. It may get a little bit rough in parts, um, I would imagine, if uh, if some of the teams start start delivering what you expect them to offensively. Yeah, reminder that GB are in the same group as the team USA, which is absolutely stacked. Also, um, so that's the WBC stuff, guys. That's they're the guys that you know. I guess the main guys that have made it from a Marlins perspective, um, and yeah, like I mentioned, nervous energy around the pitchers. What is their body of work going to be like? And clearly, we're just looking to avoid any injuries, any any injuries at all. It would be you know, it would be absolutely devastating for the Marlins if any of the guys um, miss you know get get hurt and miss any significant time. It is what it is. The the two other infielders, Gene Segura. And Luis Arias, um, 
For them, they're not going to be around the camp. It's their first spring with the Marlins. They're not going to be around mainly. It opens up opportunities to other guys. We talked about quite a few of them yesterday in Jordan Groshans, in Jacob Amaya, in Javier Edwards. Um, you know, opportunities uh, in Charles LeBlanc, let's say. You know, there's there's going to be someone's going to have to be playing third base through through these spring games. It's not an area of extreme depth, I would say, for the Marlins. And so it's going to create opportunity. With that being said, speaking of opportunities, let you know about our good friends over at FanDuel, of course. Um, and I mean, listen, the Super Bowl is absolutely closing in right now. And this year, the only app you need for your Super Bowl party is FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book. And it's our new sports betting partner over at Locked On. They're the number one sports book in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, that is even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. You can download FanDuel right now and bet for Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything, absolutely everything, including the traditionals, money line, point spreads, and who will score a touchdown. It is a safe and secure and super easy to use app. Best of all, your winnings, when you do win, uh, will be paid instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Absolutely nailed that one on a Friday. There we go. Happy days. Um, let's continue on the spring training battles piece then, guys. I hope you enjoyed yesterday's deep dive on second base. And we kind of slid into shortstop as well. So for the purposes of this continuation, I want to talk about third base. And when you think about spring battles, the, the battle really will start with is Gene Segura definitely going to be inked in at third base? Is Gene Segura going to be the man at third? Um, the reason Gene Segura is being asked to play third fundamentally is the Marlins have moved on from Brian Anderson, and right now there's no obvious candidate, but the reason Gene Segura is brought in is for the stick. The reason they traded for Luis Arias is the stick. They The Marlins have looked to add offensive talent, and they have taken the approach where we're just going to deal with it in, in terms of defensive positioning and versatility, etc. Gene Segura has played third base before. He has in the 2020 year. And it was okay. But he's an elite or an above average second baseman, I would say. Um, so we've always got that fullback position. I talked about it on yesterday's episode where if things do change, where Luis Arias ends up, it ends up not working for him at second base, for whatever reason, most likely is Gene Segura needs to go over there and fill a hole and, uh, and and retake at second base. And that's all on the proviso, potentially, the Jazz Chisholm, it makes it work at center field. The other piece, too, is the Marlins could flex it away from Jazz at center field and get Jazz in at shortstop where he wants to play. Um, so there's so many different options and permutations right now. And But in terms of battles, you know, Gene Segura's been signed on a contract. The Marlins, you know, want the stick in the lineup. And with that being said, he's going to be the everyday starter at third base, or at least that's what the Marlin, Marlins are telling us. Who else could make some noise there? Well, there's, some, there's Joey Wendell, clearly, uh, that we that is supposedly inked in to be playing shortstop in the main. You've then got Jordan Groshans that spent some time there last year. Charles, Charles LeBlanc that was DFA'd, so he's no longer on the 40-man roster. Um, but, you know, things can change. Charles LeBlanc spent some time there as well uh, last year. John Birdie, as I also mentioned on John Birdie's extension emergency pod, 
He's he actually was above average there at third base in terms of outs above average. The arm isn't amazing, um, but overall, from a defensive, from a glove perspective, um, you know, John Birdie, he's been nice there at third. So I'd say that, you know, John Birdie's going to make this roster, and we know that. It's going to be, you know, he's going to be the super util guy. But I think the one thing to look out for here is, if anything, in terms of these other plans, primarily linked to Jazz in center and Luis Arias at second base. If if something needs to change there, then the domino effect will link back into Gene Segura at third and potentially John Birdie at third or Joey Wendell moving around. There's a few domino effects that that could take you know could take place here. Um, I'm excited to see uh, to the point I made earlier. There's going to be opportunities for all these guys that are on the 40 man or non roster invitees into spring because fundamentally Arias and uh, Segura aren't going to be around for a good chunk of that. So there's going to be a lot of playing time um, knocking around. Who excites you most? I saw, I think someone asked this question maybe on Twitter earlier today. I think it was the Godfather, I think, which I thought was a great question of, you know, with with the playing time opening up, who uh, do you think, who's the most exciting guy perhaps? Who has the potential to, you know, crack this roster? Um, I already talked about it yesterday. My gut feel is that Jacob Amaya um, could be the guy to really emerge um, given the opportunity and the playing time. And I do feel there's a platoon situation that that they could walk into at shortstop there. But also then Jacob Amaya can be that versatile um, guy across, you know, across the rest of the infield. The reason being, he's he's got the best glove of all the guys. I th- and I say that without ha- ever having seen him um, in, in Marlins colors and without having seen um, Javier Edwards at all. So I'm going off what I've read, let's say. And so, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing it in spring. Like how good are these guys defensively and how does it, how does it kind of pass the eye test? That for me is going to be the interesting piece, but by all accounts, Jacob Amaya's glove is the best glove in there. And for me, that gives him clearly because the Marlins are showing some deficiencies defensively within the infield. Surely that gives an interesting opportunity to Amaya, particularly, particularly if the bat plays as well and it becomes where there's there's some power. He showed some power in the stick last year, more power than he's ever showed in the stick. And so if that can translate and he can carry that through and has a nice spring, there's a real opportunity there. Jordan Groshans, I think, is equally in the same boat where there's some power there. He obviously spent a bit of time. The Marlins traded for him as well. They've traded for a ton of similar kind of profile guys. And so, you know, there really is a battle between all of them. I don't think just in spring, but just more in general. Like, they're all at similar levels. They're all vying for the spots, right? I mean, Joey Wendell, we know, is an expiring deal. So as you look into 2024, there's an open spot there. There's a starting spot knocking around for Groshans, Amaya, Edwards. Let's even throw Garrett Hampson into the mix there. There's a there's a spot available for all of these guys to be shooting for in the future. We know there'll be a need for them to um, make appearances at the major league level in 2023. While guys, you know, spend some time on the IL, the usual stuff. So for me, this isn't just a spring battle. This is like an ongoing 2023 audition in some ways. Um, and you know, the Marlins have taken multiple shots in acquiring guys via trade recently to look to try and fill this shortstop position. They have, and that seems to be where the overall battle is right now. Um, and and that is the most intriguing bit of of this all, really, here in terms of you know, the the actual battles. It isn't just for 23, it's for 24 and beyond. You know, we'll see. Is Jacob Amaya, is he Miggy Rowe 
and maybe with a bit more power in the stick. And if it is, that is an extremely exciting prospect, I would say, for the Marlins and really fits the profile of what they're trying to do. Let's talk about our good friends over at uh, Built Bar because um, well, why not? It's Friday. <laughs> it's Friday, of course. And if you're looking for delicious treats on a Friday, but you don't want all the fat and calories, then you've got to try those Built's. And we've just got through the holidays, and the goal has been to eat healthier this year. And you've got to try those builds because healthy is actually tasty. They're so delicious, you won't think they're good for you. Perfect for any New Year's resolutions. Um, what makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, 100% real chocolate. And come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almonds. I'm, to be honest with you, I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars, they taste like a candy bar. Whilst maintaining amazing macros, what's even better is that they are healthy. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein. And if you want to, th if you, now you're saying to me, Pete, where can I get these Bilts? Easy. Built.com, of course, but they also have them stocked at local Walmarts or Sam's Club. So you can head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Bilts. You can pick up a four-bar box, cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. Uh, if you're close to a Sam's Club, uh, run in and grab a 13-bar box with all the hip flavors, including brownie batter and churro. Thank me later on those one and enjoy those builds. Yes, sir. All right. So in summary here, guys, because we are almost out of time, almost out of those double ads. And I went off on a, on a random rant at the start of the episode. WBC rosters are announced. All these guys are going to be playing in Miami in the pool. Great to see. We want health out of the starters, and we want to see, well, we want health out of everyone, to be honest with you, but particularly the two positional guys that are playing in the WBC, um, that creates opportunities in spring. In terms of spring, in terms of third base and the battle there, Gene Segura is in a one-man battle. He's battling with himself. Um, he has the job, uh, according to the Marlins. Um, defensively, he'll be fine there. The arm plays, and he's going to be fine. If the Marlins need to deviate, Gene will slide into second base, and then there'll be other options, potentially, that they'll need to consider. More broadly, though, the battle in the infield isn't just for 2023. It is, but also for 2024. It's an audition. Who can, out of this cluster, out of these recently traded guys that the Marlins have gone out there and acquired, high-potential prospects, former top 100 guys, some of them still top 100 guys, perhaps, but these high-upside, well-thought-of prospects that they've managed to acquire from various trades over the past few years, which one or which of them can ascend to look like being a major league starting player for the Marlins in 2024? Be it at short, be it at third, be it at second. Hey, the Marlins also, they need some help at first as well. So there's a few different spots that they need. But for me, that is one of the key storylines over the next 12 months is which of these guys, if any, can give the Marlins confidence that they can handle everyday shortstop duties. If they can't, that then poses some other interesting questions in the future. Like, can Jazz Chisholm, can the Marlins go out there and sign a center fielder? Can they trade for a center fielder? And can Jazz Chisholm handle shortstop for the Marlins in the future too? Is that the plan? Is that the grand plan? I know why they're not making the move now, because they can't. the price aren't, isn't right on some of the guys that maybe they're after. So right now, Jazz has to go and learn the position. But is the overall strategy to let Jazz, not let Jazz, but is the overall strategy to play Jazz at shortstop? 
I think there's other guys that can play short right now. The Marlins can make do with that. Frankly, there aren't any real other guys that can play sender. And so Jazz is stepping up for that. But I think there's a few near-term things that are happening right now and a few mid-term things looking at 2024. Thanks for making Lockdown Marlins your first listen of the day, guys. If you are thinking about your second listen, then I would highly recommend heading over to Lockdown MLB Prospects. Uh, Lindsey Crosby is the host of that one and is a prospect encyclopedia. And he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your pods, much like Locked On Marlins. Uh, so thanks for making Locked On your first listen as well. Uh, I'm your host, Peter Pratt. I'll be back very soon, carrying on the spring training battles as we start to look into the outfield, then the rotation, and also the bullpen, baby. I'll see you soon.